Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do, to educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only, to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. Welcome to today's episode, everybody. Uh, Today's episode is going to be, well, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I've gotten a ton of different questions um, that some have been (laughs) questions over a very long period of time about my personal life and romance and affairs and cheating and things like that. And many questions also have come up uh, regarding how we deal with difficult times in our life, especially around um, some of the stuff that's going on now with uh, 2020 and COVID and the political stuff and all that kind of thing. And so I'm going to talk today uh, in this topic and mainly focus on some of the things that I've done in my life to try to anchor myself, to create a lighthouse and an anchor, so to speak, for the storms of life. And so we're going to talk about that. But before I do, I want to um, discuss a couple sponsors who have now been sponsoring the show and make sure that you are aware of them and also just give you a heads up that moving forward, uh, there are going to be some sponsors of the Next Level Human podcast. Um, Sponsor number one is Cured Nutrition. This is a CBD and hemp company that I have been using their products to help with my sleep. Now, they have other products. I use them mainly for sleep, a product called Zen. I do not get great sleep. um, And this has been a very, very nice uh, product for me. It helps me fall asleep faster. It helps me stay asleep longer. Truth is, my latency to go to sleep is pretty quick. I mean, matter of fact, I can put my head down very fast, but also snore. I have some sleep apnea and I frequently will wake up at night um, and my deep sleep is less. I also have this weird thing where I wake up. I used to wake up at 4 o'clock every single morning. Uh, Using Zen and Cured Nutrition CBD products has really, really aided my sleep in a huge way. So much so um, that I reached out to them um, and uh, became uh, affiliated with them. And now they are actually sponsoring um, the Next Level Human podcast. So definitely check them out. You can go to curednutrition.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL for a discount. This is a product I use. I will not recommend anything that I do not personally use. The next product is, um, next sponsor is Paleo Valley. Now, Paleo Valley uh, puts together some of my favorite stuff in terms of meat sticks. I am huge. And actually, last week's episode, I talked a lot about protein. I am very big on hunger suppression because I'm a big dude. I am constantly fighting my hunger and my cravings. I need 
uh, really good protein sources, really healthy protein sources that travel uh, easily. And so I am known to have these meat sticks in my gym bag, in my kitchen, uh, at my mother and father's house, at my sister's home. I have these things everywhere because they are my go-to now to suppress hunger. I've been using things like cold cuts and beef jerkies and things like that for a long time, but did not always love the health aspects of those. And so Paleo Valley beef sticks are sort of my go-to now. And they are also now repping the show. So you can go to paleovalley.com slash next level. Use the code next level on checkout. I believe it's 15% off. But please make sure you take good care of the sponsors as they keep the show going. Now, let's get into today's episode. What do we do as humans um, when we have very difficult times? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, suggest something to you. This is sort of a, a premise that um, I think you'll get, but I always like to kind of look at things slightly different. What I think most people think that when they're dealing with tough times in life is they have this idea we should rise to the occasion. And I think we all hope that we would rise to the occasion or that all you really need is courage. And the interesting thing to me is that really, when you think about it, no one rises to the occasion. Very few people rise to the occasion, unless you're, you're lucky. What we do is we rise to the level of our training. We rise to the level of our thought processes. If we've thought about something bad happening, we're much more likely to be able to deal with this happening. Um, I'll give you an example of this. I think it was back in the early 1970s. I'm not exactly sure, but I know this story of two planes one that collided on the runway. And I forget where, but I think one was a, a Pan Am flight and the other one, I believe, was an American Airlines flight. Regardless of this, this story essentially goes like this. One plane is essentially taking off and the other plane is taxiing. And there's some confusion on the runway. And the plane that's taking off is confronted with another plane that basically cuts in front of it while it's taxiing. And it's not able to take off fast enough, so it clips and tears the roof off of the plane on the runway. It then crashes, burns, and kills everybody on that plane. Now, the plane that was taxiing still has time to get people off of the plane. And this is an interesting case in psychology, and it's been talked about a lot in a lot of self-help and self-development books. What they found is that there was about a few minutes in time where people could have gotten off that plane. And what they also found that is if everyone had acted right away, uh, most of the people would have been saved, but only about 25% of the people got off the plane. And what the people who were interviewed, those people who got off the plane, when they were interviewed, they told stories about people being shocked and stuck in their seats and not moving and stories about husbands and wives jarring their significant others out of this shocked stupor um, to get them off the plane. It was almost as if people were in such shock and in such confusion, they didn't know what to do, so they did nothing. And they did nothing um, slowly enough that most of them ended up burning. Now, when the researchers and uh, investigators and interviewers looked at these people who got off, they were curious about what made you get off. And these were the type of people these are the kind of people, the people who survived were the type that looked at the safety card on the plane. These are the type of people who thought about bad things potentially happening and how they would respond to those bad things. 
And so when something bad did happen, they were more likely to know how they were going to uh, actually behave and perform and act and choose in those situations. Now, this speaks to the same thing. We also have uh, stories, lots and lots of stories in the military where even trained personnel freeze under fire. And again, this is this aspect that they train for and they tell you about um, in military things. They say that it's possible that you could potentially freeze up. And it's not, it's the degree of your training, which is why when you're in the military, you're essentially exposed to loud bangs and difficult situations and darkness and cold. And, you know, uh, they put you in positions where you're hungry and confused and sleep deprived and all this so that you can be ready for anything that comes at you so that you're able to rise to the level of your training. So as individuals dealing with difficult things in our lives, we, in my opinion, need to take on the same kind of thing to actually think about and rise to the occasion. So what would this mean to an individual like us who's going through difficult times? To me, what it means is actually defining for yourself how you intend to live and behave. Now, I'll tell you a little bit of this story about my sort of background, and I, and I probably will leave this for another episode to get into this because this episode has already turned a, a slightly different direction. But many of you know my story. But for me, I found myself wrapped up in an affair. I fell in love with another woman while I was married. Uh, for people who don't understand this uh, and you know, kind of get uh, triggered by any mention of infidelity or cheating or dishonesty or anything like that, I will do an episode specifically on my experience. But you can go and look at my ex-wife, who I'm still very close with, and look at episodes she's done on the uh, Best Life podcast. Episodes two, I believe, were her discussing this affair and her perspective on it. And episode 12 on her podcast was me and her talking about it. I have not yet done uh, an episode myself on this, but I will in the future. But in this state, what I found was um, an extreme disappointment and embarrassment and waking up to the fact that I was not the integrous, honest, good human that I thought that I was. And I had to hit rock bottom for that to happen. And one of the things that I oftentimes say, I oftentimes say I don't ever do regret because I do believe regret is a choice. But if you forced me and said, Jade, what is the one regret or one thing you wish you'd figured out faster? It would have been, I wish I had grown up quicker. And then if you pushed me a little bit more and say, what exactly does that mean? I wish I would have stopped and actually defined for myself the kind of human I wanted to be. I just took for granted. I thought that I was honest and I was uh, integrous and I was somebody who um, was loyal in all of these things. But what happened was I got caught off guard. I got, you know, sort of shown that I was none of these things, that I hadn't practiced being these things, that I did have a tenuous relationship with honesty. And when my uh, figurative planes crashed and burned, I was caught in a shocked position. I was unable to rise to the level of my training because I had never trained. I had never even thought about it. I just took for granted. And this basically brought me to a place where I was so disappointed in myself so um, disgusted and embarrassed with myself that it really sent me in a tailspin and on a, on a um, self-discovery personal journey where I said, how do I never do this again? I never, ever wanted um, to um, be this person. 
And I never want to be that person again. So where did I go wrong? So I sat down at that point in time and wrote myself an honor code. This idea came out of, I don't know where it came out of. I've done countless self-development seminars prior to my marriage and during my marriage and since after my marriage. I've been a psychology and philosophy and self-development geek pretty much since I went through my first breakup at 18 years old. And somewhere along the way, I must have picked up these pieces. I also, believe it or not, have done couples counseling. I have you know, done extra shifts in uh, psychology. And you know, this has been my background. So what was confusing to me, part of the thing that was confusing for me is I had all of the tools, yet I still failed at uh, sort of some of the most basic things. And what I told myself, and by the way, it gets even more embarrassing than that, is because part of the only reason I woke up to what I was doing to my wife and most importantly to myself and uh, living this false existence is the woman that I had fell in love with basically betrayed me. She was also married and then she was with me and then she was with a third person that I ended up finding out about. And so for me, what ended up happening was um, I did not wake up to what I was doing and how dishonest I was being and how false I was as a human being at that time uh, until it happened to me, which is even more embarrassing, right? Think about that, right? To be blinded to what you're doing to your, what, you know, your best friend, my wife at the time, and someone who you know, I thought that I had their back and I was loyal to, and then to find out only through someone else betraying you that you're doing the exact same thing that hurt you and sent you in a tailspin to one of the people you love most in the world. It's an incredibly difficult thing to wake up to about yourself and to admit about yourself. What I understood is that I couldn't rise to the occasion because I had never trained for the occasion. I had never sat down and thought and defined how I wanted to be and what honesty really looked like in a relationship and what my dysfunctions were as a human. Now, here's the interesting thing about us humans. You might be listening to this story and never once in your life have had an issue with dishonesty. Maybe your issue has been lack of communication or, um, you know, uh, lack of being able to be kind or present. We all have our own dysfunctions. Some people have issues around honesty. That was one of my dysfunctions as a human that I had to work on. Other people don't. Some people have that figured out from the beginning for whatever reason. And so what we need to do, though, as humans is define what it is that we want to be. Now, how many of us actually do that? How many people actually focus on developing for themselves an honor code a code of conduct, not borrowed from religion or another moral source, but how we want to be as humans. And so from my perspective, rising to the occasion is not what we want to do because what we want to do is we want to train for the occasion, right? We want to create the occasion in training and define the occasion mentally so that we can then actually you know, sort of raise up to the level of our training, how we've trained ourselves. So since then, I have been uh, adamant about making honesty and truth my religion, making generosity a form of a religion for me, making kindness a form of religion for me. But here's the interesting thing about that. Think about those three values, right? Kindness, generosity, truth. And think about other primary values that we have, things like uh, freedom, freedom of speech, for example. And think about which one of these things 
uh, is most important, right? So what I would call this is first principles. In philosophy, they have these ideas of first principles. A first principle is essentially the end unit of logical thinking, in a sense, that all else flows from. And so in a sense, what is a first principle? There's a reason that honesty is seen in almost every culture as is of primary importance. It is a first principle because without honesty, everything else falls apart. Everything else is false. We can't know what is true or not, right? And so one of the things we have to do is we have to begin to define for ourselves first principles. What is most important? By the way, how this looked for me was this idea of fooling around with kindness versus honesty because I was an excessively kind person always to the point where I would be dishonest, which caused issues with honesty. And so now what I do is I essentially say honesty is kinder than kindness. This is a phrasing that I have developed for myself to remind myself that, Jade, you've always been kind but you haven't always been honest and your most dishonest times have been your most cruel times in life. And so what we want to do as we begin this process of developing an honor code and helping us anchor ourselves in the most difficult times in life is decide what our first principles are. And maybe we even need to discuss what are uh, you know, the first principles and how valuable are the first principles of the culture we are raised in. For example, I live in the United States, in America. In our Constitution, one of the foremost things is freedom of speech. We see it as a primary first principle that everything else flows out of. And this is one of the reasons, and I agree with this, actually, and it's one of the reasons why I will fight for someone's right to um, say things that I adamantly disagree with. And the reason I do that is because I believe freedom of speech uh, is a first principle. Without freedom of speech, by censoring people's speech, the truth gets lost. And so we must tolerate all voices as disgusting as they might be at times in order to get to truth. So freedom of speech is a first principle. Honesty is a first principle. I believe honesty is a first principle, like kindness, that's actually higher up on the hierarchy. Honesty being more important than kindness. Me, honesty being kinder than kindness. And perhaps generosity is further, even further down the list. So the first thing we need to do is discuss what are our first principles. Some of my first principles are honesty. Another one is kindness. Another one is generosity. Another one is good communication. And I tend to now put truth as my first principle, the prime principle, the prime directive for Jade Tita. I am after truth, which means much of what I do, much of what I teach, how I live my life and where my purpose is oriented is really uncovering truth to the degree that truth can be known. And this begins to define for me my life moving forward. Now, why is this important? Because in the difficult times of our lives, when we're dealing with things like COVID and political unrest and illness and heartbreak and grief from death and loss of loved ones and et cetera, ultimately we need an anchor. One of the things about us humans, one of the, the core existential crises of every human is that we are 
simultaneously alone while being surrounded by others. This is sort of the state of being human, isn't it? We can never quite feel like we fully are with somebody. We always feel alone in ourselves despite being surrounded. And given that this is the the condition of being human, one of the things that we need to rise to the level of our training is to define who I am at my core. What are my first principles? So when the going gets rough, when everything starts to get torn down, when the atomic hurricane storms of life come, what is the anchor and the lighthouse that directs me how to be and how to behave so I can handle these things? This is where first principles come in. Now, to develop your first principles, the beginning state of this in my mind and what I teach now is what I did kind of on a whim uh, after going through some of the roughest times in my life and seeing that I was not who I wanted to be at the end of my life. And this was developing an honor code. And so I'm going to walk you through the honor code. Now, obviously, we can discuss first principles. And I think all of us should always be thinking about what's the most important important first principles. An example of this is right now we're in political unrest. You got teams on either side. Both teams swear they're right and everyone else is wrong. They, they think that theirs is the truth and everyone else is an idiot and they have all the best research and they all know all the best stuff and they're smarter than you, etc. And this is because what they're doing is they're putting their first principle as team, as a, a certain way of believing and outsourced belief. And so even if the leader of their team is immoral, they can't see it. Even if the leader of their team is destructive, they can't see it. We know what this is like in history, right? Just think of Nazi Germany and Hitler and how many people followed him based on a first principle of nationality and love of country and thinking they were doing what's right for the country versus asking the question, is this morally right? to single out other people, to dehumanize certain people, to uh, imprison other people, to eventually kill other people. It slowly creeps up on you, doesn't it? And so in a sense, we need to make our first principle not team, not something outside of ourselves that's being handed down to us, but we need to define our first principles within ourselves. It can't be borrowed from religion. It can't be borrowed from uh our nation or the constitution or whatever it may be, it has to come from you as an individual. You have to decide what your first principles are. And you do that by coming up with your honor code. So for the rest of this podcast, I'm going to teach you how to do the honor code. So if you have a pen, paper, or notepad, you can take notes on this. But the first step of developing your honor code is first to define what you feel is good, honorable, respectful, admirable, and um, important in life. Now, how do you do this? The The best way to do this, to uncover this in yourself, is to think about the people who are your heroes in life. Now, these could be people who are living. For example, my mother and my father are two of my heroes. Uh, These could be people who are historical, Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee, um, Gandhi. These are all of my sort of historical heroes. heroes for me. And they also could be fictional in nature, like, you know, um, you know, uh, Harry Potter, or for me, more the Morpheus figure in the movie Matrix. These can be fictional as well. 
What you want to do is you want to explore the people who you admire, respect, and feel have done good for the world the most. And then write down what the words that you associate with them. So for me, it's teacher, uh, fighter for what they believed in, um, uh, seeker of truth, defender of humans, um, uh, worth risking being unpopular for saying what needs to be said. I oftentimes think of Muhammad Ali here. This is a person who always seemed to be on the right side of history and making the right decisions from his first principles. He wasn't going to go fight in Vietnam because he was a pacifist. He did not, um, which is really interesting coming from a warrior. He, I think, is the, the quintessential peaceful warrior. He was a fighter, but also a pacifist in a sense. And so lots of my heroes are sort of these peaceful warriors. Gandhi, a peaceful warrior. Uh, you know, Martin Luther King, a peaceful warrior. Um, Bruce Lee, same thing, right? So I tend to have these teachers and these peaceful warriors as my heroes. Um, and this is interesting. Truth seekers, uh, fighters, uh, teachers. These are the types of people who um, I gravitate towards. Now, what you want to do is you want to think about who your heroes are and what defines them uh, for you. And write these words down. So this is step one. Now, step two is to imagine you are a fly on the wall or a spirit in the back of the room at your eulogy. You've just died. There are people up in the front of the funeral home talking about you, talking about how you've impacted their life. Take a look around the room. Think about what are people murmuring? What are they saying about you? What if you could read people's minds that are all in the room at your funeral? What if you could read their minds and actually see what they actually thought about you and what you did for them or uh, how you impacted them, how you made a difference, how you mattered? And I want you to write those things down. How do you want to show up? At the end of your days, when people are thinking back on how you made a difference or how you mattered, do you want them to look back at you with, uh, disdain and how you tore them down and only were there for yourself? Or do you want them to say, this person was kind, this person was honest, this person was, what do you want them to say about you? Now, take your hero statements and all the things you've sort of written down about how you want to be described in your eulogy and compare the two. You're going to start to see similarities here. Now, there's two more steps to this. So step one is define your heroes, write down what they all stood for, define your eulogy statements and ways of being and uh, thought processes around how people would see you after you are gone. Now we do two other things. Think about your deathbed. Think about you're actually still living. You're on your deathbed. What would be the final things that you would want to accomplish? What would be the things that you would feel spurred to complete, the things that you would want to say, the things that you would want to do, the things that you would feel compelled to complete. Let's say you've gotten diagnosed with, you know, uh, late stage cancer and you only have a few months to live. What would you be wanting to do? Who would you be wanting to speak with? What would you be wanting to say? How would you be wanting to, you know, square up your legacy? This is important. Write those things down because this gets to the heart of why you're here on the planet in the first place. So those three things are important. Your heroes, your eulogy, and your deathbed uh, sort of um, wishes and desires to finish something. Now, the fourth part is, is perhaps the most important part. 
And this is the part about boundaries. Most people don't do this. They oftentimes think a next level human is just a human that puts up with, you know, um, untruths and just is always kind and, you know, doesn't tell people what they think. No, a next level human, when we're operating from our next level human selves, we're operating with purpose. We're operating from the place that I am here for a particular reason to get certain things done that only I can complete. And so there's a degree of a need to finish. And there's also a degree to not be, not to have your time wasted or to be bullshitted, right? You, you feel like I want to get things done. I don't have time to, you know, soften it necessarily. Um, this is important. And so you need to have boundaries so that you do not waste time so that you have an anchor, so you don't get shooken or shaken out of your purpose and the things that you want to accomplish. So you also need to define for yourself what you will not tolerate, you know, in your life and uh, in the greater culture. Like, so for me, I will not tolerate racism. If I see it, I will call it out. I will also fight it, regardless of what it does to my popularity, regardless of whether people think it exists or not. This is my truth. I have seen it. I have been raised in a particular environment that gives me a unique insight into it. And so for me, I don't waste time thinking whether someone else has this insight. I just know that this is a big piece for me. Given my history around truth and dishonesty and my failures there, this is a huge one. I will not date someone. I will not have friends. I will not deal with people who cannot be honest, who believe in, who, who spread falsehoods or enjoy unproven conspiracy theories and saying things that they have not vetted themselves. These tend to not be my friends and not be people I respect. And when they are in my lives, I've noticed that I slowly lose respect for them. So this is important to define. So now you have four areas now with your honor code, your heroes, write down about them, write the words that come to mind. For me, teacher, peaceful, warrior, right? And then what's embedded in that? Courage, truth-seeking, purpose over popularity, meaning over money. And so get very clear with that. And then when I go into my eulogy, it's the same kind of things. What I want is for people to say, Jade was one of the most generous people I ever knew. I want people to say, uh, Jade was someone who believed in me before I believed in myself. He saw my unique contributions to the world, my unique voice, and wanted me to get that voice out, even if he didn't agree with that voice. He was someone who was honest. I could always count on Jade to tell me exactly how he felt. I knew he would never say something behind my back that he would not say to my face. And this is how I'd want to be defined. I'd also want to be defined as someone who um, was a advocate for truth. It's part of the reason that I have moved a lot of my work now that you know I have metabolic living and a separate metabolism company that does that work. Next Level Human, a lot of it is about truth, bias, honest, integrity, all of these things that are important in my mind to have a functioning, good society and culture. So this is important. And then, of course, I go onto my deathbed and I go, well, what would I want to complete? I want to complete a book on how to be a good human. I want to complete a book on, uh, you know, um, talking about the honor code. I want to share this honor code on my podcast, right? And then I have my boundaries that essentially say, I will not be kind um, necessarily to uh, people who insist on spreading falsehoods. I don't mind uh, cutting these people out of my life. I don't mind confronting them. I don't mind confronting 
cruelty and things like that, right? So I have all of this together. And then from that point, I go ahead and I write either a statement or a 10, uh, you know, a 10 point sort of commandments that encapsulates my honor code. And if you go into Google right now, you can actually search Jade Tita honor code, Jade Tita code of conduct, right? And you will actually see and find some blogs I've done and other writings that I've done on this where you can actually read my honor code. To me, this is absolutely critical. And let's wrap up by discussing now that you have it, what do you do with it? Well, just the fact that you've thought about your first principles as a human and you have developed an honor code, this is just the beginning. First of all, your honor code is going to be an evolving piece of work. But it now acts as an anchor and a lighthouse. And what do I mean when I say anchor and a lighthouse? You're going to have storms. Imagine you're in this little dinghy out in the sea, right? This little sail ship. And the storms start getting rough. And you need to be able to anchor yourself in place and or find your way to shore. This is what the honor code does. When you're in doubt, when you're confused about, you know, is, you know, Biden you know, uh, Vice President Biden, who's running for president, is he going to destroy the world? And is everyone, what they're saying about him, is this all going to come true? Um, it, it, you want to know how to behave and what to stand for. Then you can go and look and say, how does this match up with my honor code? How does the way he behaves match up? How does his policies match up? How does his judgment match up? How does, uh, you know, all this stuff matter to me and vice versa? You know, if you're somebody who's like, is, you know, if Trump gets reelected, is this going to be the end of the world? What's going to happen? Go and look and say, how does this person match up with my honor code, my values? Uh, do they behave in the way that I would want to behave? Do they uh, support policies that I believe are in line with good values and that kind of stuff? Do they have good judgment? Do they, do they uh, you know, match this? And for me, this starts to solve a lot of problems because what a lot of people do when they're dealing with politics, when they're dealing with personal relationships, when they're dealing with choices around career and finance and, and purpose and meaning and all these questions is they outsource. They look to say, well, what do you think? What does he think? What does she think? What did they say? Should I believe this or should I believe that? And this means that they're waffling a lot of the time and they're oftentimes hypocritical. And you see it, but they don't because they have nothing that anchors them to a really solid foundation. So on the one hand, they say, oh, I'm all about honesty, but then they support someone who's dishonest, right? And then you see the, the hypocritical aspects of them. Or on the one hand, they are say, I'm for freedom of speech. And on the other hand, they support someone who is not for freedom of speech. You'll see this all the time. But if you define for yourself, this is actually my first principle. This is what I will do. What happens is then you can now practice it. You can start saying, I will call out dishonesty wherever I see it on any side of the political spectrum, regardless of if you know it's a family member or a significant other in my personal relationships. And I will first and foremost do that for myself. One of the things we have to understand is that you do not change other people. And the honor code is not to attack other people and say, here's my honor code. You need to live into my honor code. This is the absolute asinine nature of humans. We constantly are trying to make other humans like us. Instead, what we should be doing is being the best human we can be. The antidote to asshole is to not be an asshole. 
the point of evil is not to make you do more evil. The point of evil, I'm sorry, the point of evil is actually to make you do more evil. It's not to hurt you. I'll say that again because it's really, really important. The antidote to asshole is to be a better human yourself. The way you fight evil is to not do and perpetuate more evil, to not pass on your pain. If you've had trauma as a child and you were abused and emotionally abused and that kind of stuff, then the way to deal with that, the best revenge, as Marcus Aurelius says, is not to be that way, is to be different. That's what a next level human is. A next level human takes their pain and their frustrations and their agitations and their regrets and their resentfulness and their anxiety and their anger and all these these things and says, I will not be this way. I will not pass on this hurt. As a matter of fact, I will look out in the world, see where I can solve this hurt and go about healing that hurt. And ironically, you end up healing yourself in the process of doing that. And so the honor code really gives you the things to practice. I have generosity in my honor code. So I practice being generous. When I see someone panhandling, I don't ask him for money. I don't go, oh my God, what are they going to do? Are they going to you know, use this for drugs or anything like that? I don't even think that way. I just go, I'm going to show a kindness and be generous because I have and they don't necessarily, right? When someone asks me my honest opinion where I used to sugarcoat it, now I give it to them because I value honesty. But most importantly, I am doing that within myself and holding myself to a standard. And if you really want to do this to rise to uh, you know, sort of the occasion, we kind of said don't allow yourself to rise to the occasion, rise to the level of your training, then start training. In other words, set up incidences with your honor code that allow you to practice being these things. So if there's someone I have not been being fully truthful with, then I go and have the difficult conversation and say, you know what? I haven't been fully honest, I feel, and I want you to have this. When, I, when there's a difficult conversation, I will see that as a, as a chance to prove myself so that I don't have to rise to the occasion. So the next time it happens, I can weather the storm. This is what we want to be doing. I'm looking for difficult conversations, to be honest. I'm looking for the ability to have honest feedback. I'm looking for people who will be honest with me and not reacting negatively and actually taking their feedback and considering their feedback. I'm looking for uh, ways to expose myself to different ideas. I'm all about truth. So if you go on my Facebook feed, I oftentimes tell people this when they ask me, Jade, how do you stay so balanced? Because I am constantly constantly, constantly trying to look to the other side. I, when I read my news, I get news from all sides and ground news. And um, I look at, I go around and look at how does center media that's relatively center, like Associated Press or Reuters, how are they reporting it versus Breitbart and the Daily Wire versus uh, CNN and the New York Times. I look at this stuff because I want truth. I don't want my stuff biased. And this is helping me practice my honor code. And I do this with kindness and I do this with generosity as well. Always realizing that my first principle of honesty is really the most important because if I am honest, everything flows from there. And so what I would say as we wrap up this podcast is that if you are somebody who is struggling, feeling anxious, feeling all these negative emotions around what's going on in the world right now, What I would say is the best advice that I can give you, because a lot of my friends say, you know what, you seem to be so relaxed, not triggered, not, um, you know, not succumbing to all the emotions. 
which is somewhat true. Um, I certainly can go base level and have my moments. But for the most part, I just focus on being a good human. The antidote to crazy is being a good human. The antidote to asshole is being a good human. The antidote to someone being cruel to you is being a good human. The antidote to a world that is shitty and destructive and dishonest politicians and all this stuff is to be a good human. All we really, as humans, have control over is to be the best individual we can be, to live that to its full potential, and to perhaps inspire others to do the same. But ultimately, that's all we have. And the honor code allows you to do that. And so when the going gets tough and the oceans get rough and everything seems crazy, I come back to my honor code. I come back to that defined thing of how do I want to be in the world and what is it that I stand for that I've decided, not my religion, not my politics, not my team, but how is Jade Tita going to show up? And I hope you will do the same. All right, thanks so much for hanging out with me on this episode. Please hit me up on DM on Instagram. Uh, Give me a review on iTunes. Um, Send me your feedback. You can also email support at jadetita.com and let me know what you think. Please go out and check out Cured Nutrition and Paleo Valley. The code next level will give you discounts on these things. Um, I highly Uh, value these products. I use them every day. I hope you will get benefit as well. All right, that's it for me and I will see you at the next episode.